It is great to be with you this morning. My name is Rob Oblinas, and if you are just visiting with us this morning, you'll know that I, well, sorry, no, if you're just visiting with us, you won't know this. If you are regularly with us, you will know that I am not normally the one who comes to bear message this morning with us. That is usually Ben Rule. Uh, but he and Olivia and Davey got a chance to go on a wonderful vacation to see their family in Texas and to celebrate Christmas with them this past week. And so we didn't want him having to prepare for a Sunday morning while he was able to do that with his family. So I uh, agreed to do that. My name's Rob Oblinas. Uh, I'm an elder here as well as interim pastor at Be Free. And Ben asked me if I would come and share on this third week of Advent for joy. And I was uh, really excited. I was like, I'll teed up for it. And he's like, here's your passage. And I'm like, yep, uh, Christmas story. I totally know where this is going. Angels come. I give you great, uh, bring you good news of great joy. And so I turned to the passage that he gave me. And it wasn't that one. <laughs> I was like, come on, bud. Throw, supposed to throw me a softball here. Uh, instead, we're going to look at Mary and Joseph and their story just before the angels come to the shepherds and make that great announcement. Um, and so I'm excited to do that with this morning because I think um, I, was, I was really grateful. I was grateful for uh, the opportunity, but also just grateful for the way that God came through and, and spoke to me during this time. And I hope that you benefit from it as well. Uh, I was um, watching football with my family on Thanksgiving. And as you know, right around Thanksgiving, they love to give you the Christmas commercials because it's, of course... Uh, right on the eve of Christmas and Black Friday. And so we're sitting there watching football. And uh, my friend, uh, this, this is totally dating myself. This guy comes on TV and I'm like, ah, oh, it's Doogie Hauser, right? You all know him as Neil Patrick Harris, right? Star of stage and screen. And, I, and he's doing this little commercial for Old Navy. And he's like telling all the people in his audience, like, say, I'm grateful. And so they all say, I'm grateful. They say, I'm joyful. And they all say, I'm joyful, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, because you're getting everything you wanted this Christmas. Woo! You get sweater, and you get this, and you get socks that you want, right? And he's like, so basically saying that to be joyful, you get everything you want during this Christmas. And so that's what our Western world tells us is joy and happiness during this Christmas season. Um, but God, I think, tells us a different story. It's not about getting everything you want. It's not about being able to get all those fun gifts, although that is a wonderful thing. Biblical joy is a little something different. And so let's look at that this morning together. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read them and pray for us, and then we'll dive in and see what God has for us. Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Will you pray with me this morning? 
God, we come to your word and we see this wonderful story of your birth, Jesus. God, we want to see it in the context of your whole story. Of the way that you have created us, provided for us. Through Jesus, his birth and death and resurrection. When we put our faith in you, Jesus, you make us new. You make us your children. You welcome us into your kingdom that lasts now and will last forever. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come. Give us wisdom. Give us this peace and comfort and joy that we are talking about this morning. Only through you, God, are we able to truly receive peace, comfort, and joy. We put that into your hands and ask that you would do a good work this morning. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, So this sounds great, right? You know, you come to this part of the Bible and you get all warm and fuzzy. And you're like, yeah, this is the most wonderful time of the year, right? You watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special and you watch Rudolph and you get all your favorite movies and you get the tree up. And it's great. It really is a wonderful time of the year. Uh, But if we come to this passage, right, we may have to just scratch our head for a minute. If we actually slow down and observe what's going on here, um, it's not maybe that warm and fuzzy necessarily. So let's take a look and see what God says here. Um, first, uh, Luke chapter 2, those verse, first three verses. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. So uh, this gives us time frame and puts us contextually uh, in a certain period of time in history. Uh, this is the first century. Uh, For those of you who don't know, uh, Augustus, right? Caesar Augustus, he's kind of the first official emperor of Rome. Nephew of Julius Caesar, if you're familiar with that name. And basically what we're seeing is that he wants to kind of get the numbers and resources available in his his empire. And uh, we read that uh, Quirinius is a governor of that large portion of land um, that encompasses Jerusalem and Nazareth, Nazareth, excuse me, and Bethlehem and Israel. And that the males had to go to their own town to be registered. So we look at that, right? And, and we, we put ourselves in that context. And if we were to think about it from the perspective of Mary and Joseph, what are, what are they getting told by doing this? Well, they're getting told, you're no longer a sovereign nation. You're not independent. You are under the Roman rule, despite your long and rich history. And so this foreign power has come in. And is over you. And so your, your resources, your people are being controlled by the Romans. And so you're no longer independent. So the first thing we get right here that Joseph and Mary are getting told is that they're, they're as a people, no longer independent. Uh, and then we go on and we see uh, Luke 2, verse 4. And we read this. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. Uh, And so um, we see that Joseph has to leave his town. And he has to travel to Bethlehem. um, About four hours on foot, according to Google. Uh, So a half a day's journey. Um, the, The text doesn't tell us really kind of like what each to his own town meant in that decree. Um, But we see specifically here that Joseph definitely feels compelled. 
right? He feels like he is under law or, or, or um, uh, he, he, sa- he says to himself, I got to go, right? I have to go. Uh, so he believed it was his duty to make the journey to Bethlehem. And so we look at from their perspective, okay, and, and we see that Joseph's got to do what? Well, he's got to stop work. He's got to drop everything, right? Things that he's doing uh, for his community and town and especially his job. And he's got to travel to a place that he considers his hometown but is not where he's living. And he's got to wait for all this Roman red tape to clear so he can get registered in this, in this empire, right, with the Romans. And so the second thing we see here is that he has to stop work and he has to go travel, right? So he's no longer independent and he's got to stop work to travel, okay? Oh, that's okay, all right, okay. But we read, we read on, Luke chapter 2, verse 5, to, uh, it says, to be re- registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Okay, so what do we see here? Joseph and Mary. Okay, so it's not just Joseph. Joseph traveling with Mary. They are yet to be married, and she's pregnant. So we look at that from Mary and Joseph's perspective, and we see that this is not a little quiet, quick journey to Bethlehem. First of all, they're traveling during pregnancy, and I, I can't empathize with that. But I can, you know, know what that might be like uh, as a husband and father. Uh, but secondly, and I think more importantly, is that as they travel, their situation is apparent. She's pregnant. And we'll read here in a minute that she's so pregnant that she's almost ready to have this child. So everybody knows. The minute you walk by them, you know that they are a family about ready to have a baby. And so they're going to this town where, where Joseph uh, considers this his hometown um, and compelled to go there. And so there's probably lots of questions, right? It's a four-hour walk, right? You know, not that far. Communication could have gotten to these other towns where, di- where Joseph might have family, right? And people are saying, well, hey, what... What? Oh, I didn't get an invitation to the wedding. Like, what? Oh, boy, that's too bad. I really like weddings. Oh, well, there, there wasn't a wedding. We, we're not married yet. Oh. Uh... <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Uh, this is from God. It's a miracle from God. An angel came to myself and Mary and said that we were going to have a child by God. Oh. <laughs> okay. So what do we see here? We see that David knows that he's no longer independent as a Jewish male. He's got to stop work to travel. And he has to continually kind of bear the shame, both he and Mary, the shame that the, the outward world is, is projecting on them, that is seeing the situation and going, oh, okay, well, you did, didn't do it right. Okay, didn't do it the way God wants you to. And so they have to continually bear this as a, as a reminder as they make this journey. And then we read on, right? So the story's not looking good, right? Luke 2, uh, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. (laughs) Whoa. Okay. So now they have to deliver a baby away from home, right? I mean, think of this 21st century-wise. Like, how much planning goes into having a baby? Where you're having it? 
who the nurses are going to be, who's your doctor going to be, right? There is lots of planning, even in our century, about having a baby. Back then, they didn't have the resources that we had, okay? Uh, there, there was no ultrasounds or due dates, right? And so, like, we know approximately when this baby might come, right? Given just history and how babies work, okay? But we all know that even in the 21st century, babies coming is still a mystery to us, right? I had, I had three weeks late, on time, late, like, there was no, boom, it's like, I don't know when this baby's coming. You got to the third, the third baby who's back in Adventureland, and they were like, oh, well, like, how did your babies go? Like, is this one coming early or coming late? I don't know. I have no idea. And so, what's happening with Mary and Joseph? Well, they're in this new town, right, where they're no longer independent, they've had to stop work to travel, and they're bearing this shame, and Mary's about to give birth, has to give birth. And back in the first century, who were the people who helped you give birth? Your family, maybe some midwives from town, your friends, your community gathered around you and made sure that this birth came through and did their best to help you during this time. And so they're without their community. They're without their familiar place and their support system. And so they're scrambling to find the right people to help them deliver this baby. So they're no longer independent. They have to stop work to travel. They're continually bearing this shame. And what do you know? The baby decides to come. And so they have to deliver this baby away from home. You think, well, okay, well, that's, that's enough. Nope. Nope. Chapter 2, verse 7, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So they have all these things going on. They have to deliver this baby away from home and they can't find a place to do it indoors. There's no room, right? We can assume maybe that they're not the only ones in town that there's a lot going on, people are traveling like Joseph, and they can't find a place for this mom to have her baby. Now, I don't know what the actual Greek translation is, but I'm sure it's probably something like, are you kidding me right now? Right? We can't even find a place to have this baby uh, the, the way maybe we pictured it would happen. Instead, we have to be in this barn. So, what do we see here? We see that David, uh, excuse me, that Joseph's getting told a number of things, both he and Mary. That they're no longer independent. They had to stop their work to travel, so they have to not have any income coming in. They're continually bearing the shame as they travel together and continue to tell people the story of what's happening. They deliver a baby away from home, and they have to deliver that baby in a barn. Okay. Well, keep that picture in your mind, right? Probably the worst of circumstances that could be going on for them right now. All right? Keep that picture right here. And while, while you keep that picture, I want you to do a word association with it. Okay? You all ready? All right? It's Christmas time. Right? We love this time of year. And, and during Christmas time, we're, we're conditioned as a group to, to, to put certain words together. All right? So you can just turn to someone next to you. You can say it out loud. 
right? I'm a teacher, so this is kind of like, you know, this is like teacher stuff, right? So word association, right? You're going to fill in the blank. Here we go. At Christmas time, we say peace and... Yeah, you can turn to someone. You don't have to tell me. You can just quietly tell someone. Yeah, yeah, okay. Very good. I, th- I think I heard it from most people. And then uh, there's, here's another one, okay? At Christmas time, we sing comfort and... Good, good. Right? Peace and joy. Comfort and joy. I don't know about you, but I read this description of what's going on with Mary and Joseph, and I wonder to myself, how did we get to the 21st century and continually associate what's going on with them with peace and joy, comfort and joy? It sounds like none of that right here. They are dealing with some horrible circumstances as they make this trip. And as they try to welcome into this world, this baby that God has promised them is going to be the savior of the world. So how can Mary be visited by an angel just a a few verses before in Luke 1, 28 and say, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word to give submission to God to let this happen. How can it be that an angel from God in the next few verses shows up to the shepherds and says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Didn't seem great for Joseph and Mary. How do they have the peace and comfort and joy that we've come to associate with this Christmas season? How do we have that? Well, we need to look at it as God's story. His whole story. And we need to look at these circumstances through God's lens through the lens of his whole story. And, and I think Mary and Joseph were probably doing the same thing. Here's how they come to a, poor, uh, a, a place of joy. Here's how we can have a real definition of gladness, peace, and comfort. Right? That's not associated with, with old Doogie Hauser's Old Navy commercial. You get everything you want. How can we have circumstances that are really difficult during these times and still have peace, comfort, and joy? Well, I think if we, if we uh, turn, uh, these aren't up on the screen. I'm just going to read them for you real quick. If you do a simple New Testament search, right? So um, from Matthew to Revelation, and you do a quick search on joy, um, I, I found these six verses really fast, almost immediately. So just listen to what joy sounds like from these six verses. 2 Corinthians 7.4, I'm acting with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. I'm filled with comfort. In all your affliction, excuse me, in all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. 2 Corinthians 8.2, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. 1 Thessalonians 1.6 And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 10.34 For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Hebrews 12.12 Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And finally, James 1-2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. 
Very different picture, right, from the gifts falling from the sky and getting everything we want. More a picture of what we see Mary and Joseph going through here on their journey and their arrival in Bethlehem. See, biblical joy is not circumstantial. I mean, I, I think if you, if you take anything away from today, if you write anything down today, I hope it would be that. Because as I turned to this, as I was saying before, Ben gave me these verses, I was like, where's the joy? Right? Where's that great, good news of great joy? Right? It's here. It is very much here. Because biblical joy is not circumstantial. It doesn't depend on what is happening to us and around us. It depends on who God is. So, so how do we get there, right? How, how did Mary and Joseph have this kind of peace and comfort and joy that we've come to associate with this holiday season? Well, okay, so let's look at them, right? Let's take their, their five things right here, right? Uh, they say, uh, or, or we've seen, right, they're no longer independent, right? They're being told that they're being ruled by a foreign power, right? And so Mary and Joseph, what do they have to do to experience joy? Well, they have to remember that God has promised to establish Israel and deliver them. Deliver his people from Abraham. And he's done this before and has promised to do it again. And so from Abraham with no kids to start a nation, to the slaves leaving Egypt, to the restoration after the Babylonians had conquered. And they remember this, like, that the angels told them that God is going to establish his government that will have no end. And he's going to do it through this baby. They're clinging to that. They remember in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, that, it, that, that it's prophesied of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. We sang about that this morning. We, right, sang that back to God on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. See, Mary and Joseph take comfort, have peace, and are joyful because they know that this baby, they've been told, is the one who established this new kingdom that will last forever. They don't have to worry about their citizenship right now. Even though Israel has long this, had this long and rich history, and many people are hoping that it will be established as a sovereign nation once again, they take comfort and peace and joy, knowing that God will restore it. Uh, and then they've, they've had to stop work to travel, right? They, they're no longer having resources coming in. And, and so what do Mary and Joseph have to do? Well, they have to remember that God has promised that he will meet the needs of his people. He will provide for them no matter what. They remember that in the wilderness, God miraculously provided manna for people to eat for 40 years. They remember uh, verses like Psalm 34, verses 8 through 10. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Mary and Joseph take this comfort. They have this comfort, peace, and joy because they know that God will provide for them, not their own work. And so we, can, we continue on, right? And, and they're continually bearing shame. 
right? Mary is obviously pregnant, and they have to continue to talk about this story over and over again, get the looks from people, explain to family why there was no wedding, and say that God provided for them miraculously. And so they know that this baby is a miracle from God. They cling to that. And, and so to those around them, they just simply bear witness. Even though they're bearing shame, they reflect that back with bearing witness. This is what God has done. It's, a, it's, it's miraculous. We've had an angel appear to Joseph and appear to me. That's what happened. And they leave it at that. And, and also, right, they see people around them. Uh, Mary does it uh, just before in Luke chapter 1, right? She bears witness and she, she praises God just a few verses before. And then Zechariah, who's the father of John the Baptist, right? We, we had a little reading on that this morning about how, how John the Baptist in his mother's womb leapt for joy when she heard Mary's voice. His father bears witness to all that's going on. In Luke chapter 1, 68 to 69, he's just been mute for a period of time by God. And then when his mouth is opened up, he says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. He bears witness to what's going on. That's all he can do. Right? I don't understand this. We were barren for years, he and his wife, Zachariah. And all of a sudden, now they're having this baby. And, and Mary's not even married. And she's pregnant. We bear witness to what God is doing. And so as they bear shame, they simply reflect back by bearing witness to what God has done. And that is giving them comfort, peace, and joy during this time. Uh, the next thing is that they have to deliver a baby far from home. Right? Um, they, have to, they have to find a way to gather some people to help them or alone. We're not really sure. And, and, and have this baby born. I don't know about you, but I'd be freaked out of my mind. Right? I had three kids in the 21st century. And we had doctors and midwives and heart monitors. Our third baby came out and she had a hard time breathing. I thought I, thought I was going to die. I felt like my insides were being turned inside out. Right? As they were kind of like, you know, over here in this corner, kind of doing a few things. And they weren't really bringing her over. And it was like, what is happening right And so they have to deliver this baby far away from home without their support system. I would be a wreck. So how do Mary and Joseph find peace and comfort and joy in the midst of that? They remember all the times that God has protected his people. They have this rich story of God protecting them year after year, decade after decade, century after century. They remember that God parted the Red Sea so that the people could leave Egypt. Uh, that the walls of Jericho came down by just marching around it. That the spies entered into the promised land and were kept safe so they could tell uh, the people all that God had provided for them on the other side. They remember what, what Ruth was talking about with Boaz. As Boaz said to her, your faithfulness with your mother-in-law okay, has allowed this. Ruth 2, verse 12, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. 
And so Mary and Joseph have comfort and peace and joy in a God that has protected his people from the beginning of time all the way until now. And so they know that this baby will come. And they know that God will protect them. And then lastly, they, they have to deliver this baby in a barn. And, and so, how, how do you have gladness? How do you have joy in having your baby come when you're in the midst of this barn? Uh, if, you're, if you were here with us, uh, I don't know, it was a few Christmases ago, Ben Cain uh, spoke to us on Christmas, and as a farmer, he brought his hay and, the, and this, this wooden box, and, and we were in Brookwoods, and I mean, just by bringing those things, you had to smell like, hmm, okay. It wasn't pungent. He didn't, he didn't bring the dirty, dirty stuff, right? But you still had this smell like, huh, you know, it's not Christmassy. It's not Christmas trees and, and candles, right? It's in a barn. And so how do Mary and Joseph have peace and comfort and joy in the midst of this circumstance with everything that has gone on up until now and having to have this baby in a barn? They remember... That God's, being God's people, God working through them to bring this baby Jesus did not mean that they were the greatest or the most privileged. They remember that God formed Israel out of the smallest and most insignificant of people. They remember that uh, Joseph of Egypt had been a slave. They remember that Moses had a speech problem. They remember that David before he was king, was a shepherd, lowest of the low. And again, they, they might have heard the words of Isaiah ringing in their ears. Chapter 60, verse 22, the least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In its time, I will hasten it. See, Mary and Joseph take comfort and have peace and are joyful because they know that God uses the least to accomplish His plans and has for a long time. That they're not guaranteed comfort in, in material ways. That they're not guaranteed a room in the inn where it might be warm and smell decent. No. They, they know that God often will use the least but yet He will still provide for them, take care of them, give them their identity through all of His work, as it has been from before to the end of time. And so Mary and Joseph have comfort and peace and joy. And that's why, right now here, in this 21st century, when we come to this Christmas season and we light these these candles, and we celebrate with friends and family that we can have peace and comfort and joy ourselves. But how do, how do we do that, right? Our circumstances are not like this, right? We're not Joseph and Mary, right? We're not having this baby Jesus. We're grateful for it, and we expectantly wait, and we celebrate every year with that on our minds. But, but how do we, in the midst of our circumstances, find this same peace and comfort and joy when all around us it seems like there's anger and discord and, and wanting from others? I want this. I want that. And for ourselves, right? It's hard not to get caught up in that. 
So how do we find this joy in the midst of our circumstances? How do we find this biblical joy that doesn't depend on our circumstances? Well, I think we need to do what Mary and Joseph have done. And that is to continually to remember who God is and what He's done. To look at our circumstances in the big picture of God's story. And, and so, I'll just give you a few examples. As, a, as, a, as, a God, as God's people, you're going to have to think about this in your own circumstances. I, I know that in this church, just with the people gathered here, that there are so many circumstances right now that are difficult, that are hard, that are painful. And there's some that are, that are good and exciting and God's moving in a great way and, and many things to be happy about. And in the midst of all of those together, we're told to find comfort and peace and joy during this season. And so uh, these are just some examples. Again, I encourage you to sit down this week and just come before God and say, God, in the midst of what's going on with me, please, Help me. Bring me to Scripture. Bring me to friends who will remind me about this peace and comfort and joy. Uh, but if we look at Mary and Joseph in these circumstances, for us right now, you know, um, it might look uh, like this, right? In, in February, right, when that comes, and these presidential primaries come, and, and you remember that no matter what happens, no matter what you're seeing on TV, that God has promised to come again and establish His perfect and just kingdom forever. That in the midst of this climate right now, you might memorize Isaiah 9-7 and repeat it over and over again. Of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. Um, perhaps maybe this is a Christmas or sometime this year or uh, previously when money's tight. You lose your job. You're laid off. You don't know how you're going to pay for something. Right? Joseph had to stop his work and travel. And that happens to us a lot in these times. But you remember that God promises to never forsake us. To never for forsake you and leave you wanting for your basic needs. That you have peace and comfort and joy by remembering that God, all that God has done for His children and will do for you. You, uh, you maybe decide to uh, avoid the office Christmas party because of past behavior. And when people ask you about it, you simply bear witness to what God is doing in your life to change you. Just like Mary and Joseph did. God's done a miracle. God has done a, a work in my life that I can't explain. But it's true. When, when your extended family is, is upset because you, you choose to worship on Sundays in the mornings and, and say, oh, I've got to come to the Christmas party later. Or on Christmas Eve, you decide to come and worship. Um, and, and these times in leading up to Christmas that you're choosing worship, right? Maybe when others want to gather. And, and you simply bear witness to what God is doing in your life. And you say, yeah, God has, has changed me. I put my faith in Jesus Christ and, and I've been made new. And you bear witness to that. And you have peace and comfort and joy by bearing witness to God's good news and the work in your life. Or, or maybe, you know, like Mary and Joseph, you have health problems, right? They're, they're delivering a baby. 
right, away from their home. And, and maybe you are having health problems that seem insurmountable or were unexpected and came out of left field. You're, you're denied access to things that you normally would have because of insurance or cost. And you turn to Jesus and you have peace and comfort and joy because you know that He'll be with you every step of the way and that one day, one glorious day, He will make you perfect without those health problems because He's promised to do that. And you take peace and joy and comfort. And simply when life just plain stinks, there's so much good things happening, right? We've come to this week three of of Advent, and it is a wonderful time. And I hope, beyond hope, that you are enjoying that with your friends and your family and you're gathering and you're celebrating and you're singing and you're buying gifts because, because you want to give gifts because you've been given an ultimate gift. I hope that that is true for you. I, I pray that it is. But on the other hand, if life is just not good right now, if you're entering this Christmas season, if for many Christmases before this, this is not the season of joy for This is not, sorry, excuse me. This is not the season of happiness for you because of life circumstances. And those are many. If you feel like you are delivering a baby in a smelly barn, you remember that no one is able to save themselves. Not the people who have all the gifts in the world. Not you who's, who's enjoying this Christmas season. Not yourself or your spouse or someone you know who's going through a hard time this Christmas season. No one is able to save themselves. You see, death is the result of our separation from God. And that's true for everybody, no matter what our circumstances. But you know what? The good news, the peace and comfort and joy during this holiday season is that the light has come. Jesus has come. He was born. And He is the answer to all our circumstances, good and bad. He can truly give you peace and joy. He can truly give you comfort and joy this season. Will you pray with me?